It is my privilege to get to introduce the special speaker this morning. I've known Lori for about 16 years, and um, I have seen her as a mother. I've seen her as a wife. I've seen her in a role as friend and um, as mentor, um, sister, daughter. And I can say that Christ is at the center of, of what she does. And um, I'm so thankful. She's made a huge impact on my life. And I'm really thankful that she's going to become and speak to the moms today. So, Lori Wright. Thank you, Andrea. Um, and it is <clears throat> a privilege for me to be here today with you. Um, I count it a real privilege to be able to speak to you today and just share with you from my heart. And I, too, just like many others up here today, want to wish you all um, a happy Mother's Day. And uh, I'd like to start this morning by making a confession to you. When Pastor Mark contacted me a couple weeks ago about possibly speaking today, fear and trepidation surged through my entire body, and I didn't want to do it. But after promising Pastor Mark that I would pray about it and get back to him in a couple days, I quickly followed Moses' example in Exodus 3, at the burning bush, and I tried to come up with every excuse possible why I, I wasn't going to be here today. My first thought was completely selfish. Why in the world would I want to do that and stress myself out on Mother's Day? This day is supposed to be about me. Does Pastor Mark not know that? Come on. <laughs> then I looked at my husband, Tim, and I said, surely there is somewhere we need to be that weekend. My mom has passed away, but his mom lives in Chattanooga, and surely we ought to be going and visiting her, shouldn't we? You see, that would have allowed me to call Pastor Mark and bow out gracefully, telling him that Tim wanted to visit his mother, and I needed to sacrifice and be the submissive wife and go with him, of course. Yes, a totally self-righteous response. And finally from my deceitful, sinful, prideful heart, came the thought, what if I say yes? And then I can't think of anything to say. Or I'm horrible. <laughs> or people fall asleep. <laughs> or what if people think I'm being unbiblical and I'm up here trying to be a preacher or something? But at the same time that all of this, these thoughts were going through my head, and ladies, I know you understand how that can happen, and we can have all these things going on in our head at once. God, through the Holy Spirit, was starting to knock on my heart. And he said, Lori, what are you not remembering about me? What are you not believing about me right now? And as I began to just slow down, and listen to the Holy Spirit, he reminded me that this was an opportunity to share what he's been burdening my heart about for the last several months. He reminded me that he was sufficient, and he would show me what to say. He reminded me that I could trust him. I could trust him with my fears and my anxieties, and that he would give me peace. And he reminded me how by his grace he's helped me in the past. He reminded me that even if I was horrible, he still loves me. And that because of the faith 
that he had given me long ago to believe in his son and his death on the cross and his resurrection, I was completely accepted in Christ and that nothing I could do or not do would make him love me any more than he already was. And so I asked God to forgive me for all my sinful responses, and I chose to believe in his word and obey, and I contacted Pastor Mark and said yes. You see, I had done exactly what God has been burdening my heart about. It's kind of funny how God does that to us sometimes. I was forgetting who my father was, and I was forgetting all that he had done for me, all he wanted to do in me, and all he wanted to be for me. Too many times as believers, we just forget that. A favorite Christian writer and speaker of mine, his name is Paul Tripp, and he calls it spiritual amnesia. In my sin, I was not remembering the truth about God and his character and his promises. God had been burdening my heart for moms, especially for you young moms, for us to know Christ not just as our Savior. Too many times we stop with that knowledge. But to know him as the Father and the King of your lives, as the source of all truth, and to preach that gospel to yourself every single day. To know his word in a way that enables us to believe that he is our El Shaddai, our all-sufficient one, that he's our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that he's our Jehovah Rapha, our healer, and that he is our Elroy, the God who sees, and that he is the many, many other names given in Scripture for God. Now, I know many of you ladies have probably come here today on Mother's Day, and you're probably a little overwhelmed. For me, Mother's Day is a little bittersweet. My mom is in heaven. She died in 2008. But for some of you, if you weren't spit up on or pooped on on the way here, it's probably going to happen on the way home. And maybe, maybe you were up with a fussy baby all night and you're just exhausted. Or maybe you're struggling with infertility and you'd give anything to be up with a fussy baby all night. And yesterday, the pregnancy, pregnancy test came back negative again. Maybe you're just exhausted from chasing a two-year-old and you haven't been to the bathroom by yourself in the last six months. And maybe you've been trying to get all the kids to their soccer games with clean uniforms, drinks, and snacks, and snacks for the entire team. Or maybe you're a single mom and you're worn out from juggling the demands of work, keeping up the house, the yard, the mounds of paperwork, and trying to make ends meet while still trying to be the perfect mom to your kids. Maybe you're dealing with anger and resentment of, from your teenager because you are the only mom who will not buy them that latest cell phone or tech gadget, or you are the only mom who will not let them go to that party or movie next weekend. Or maybe you were up half the night because you have an adult child who's rebelling against God or who just doesn't know God. And you were on your knees praying for them while also praying about how to care for your aging parent suffering with dementia. 
These are just a few of the many situations you ladies could be sitting here with today, and I don't pretend to know all the situations that God may have brought into your life. And I haven't been myself in every one of these situations, but I've been in a lot of them. And I know what it's like to come to church on Mother's Day when you already feel overwhelmed and you hear a message on the 10 ways to be a better mom. There are five ways to get your children to obey or a verse-by-verse exposition on the perfect Proverbs 31 woman. And while these messages can be very, very good and very practical, you often go away and you feel just a little bit more overwhelmed and maybe a little bit defeated. I want you to know that today I'm not going to give you a long to-do list. You probably already have that. (laughs) But on this Mother's Day, I simply want you to remember who your father is and believe in his transforming grace and power in your life. We're a Disney family. My girls grew up singing every Disney song you could possibly think of, and we still do. Um, One of our favorite Disney movies is The Lion King, and recently we got to see the Broadway version of it downtown. And I know from Facebook that there are Lion King fans in this room. You can raise your hand and admit to it. Okay. Um, Well, there's a scene in that movie where Rafiki finds the adult Simba, and he tells him he's going to take him to see his father. Now, mind you, at this point in the movie, his father is, is gone. Rafiki takes Simba to the watering hole, and he tells him to look into the water. Simba looks and says, that's not my father. It's just my reflection. But Rafiki says, no, look harder. So Simba looks again, and this time he sees his father's reflection. Rafiki says, you see, he lives in you. And then we hear James Earl Jones or Mufasa's voice in the clouds saying, you have forgotten who you are. You have forgotten me. Remember. This is the pivotal part in the movie. Simba returns to the Pride Lands, faces his past, and as the son of the king, takes his place as the new king. Ladies, remember, if God has pursued you and saved you, you are a daughter of the king. You have his Holy Spirit living inside of you. Romans 8, 16 and 17 tells us the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ in 2nd Corinthians 6 18 it reminds us and I will be a father to you and you shall be be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty Through Jesus Christ, you have access to all the power and goodness of your heavenly Father. And we just forget that sometimes. But you have to learn to behold him before you can reflect him to others and especially to your children. I say this because I've had to practice it. Life was going along fairly smoothly for the rights. And then out of nowhere, our oldest daughter, Kayla, woke up one morning 
and started having some severe health problems. We went through several, several years of some difficult health problems. Difficult to diagnose, difficult to treat, difficult to solve, and difficult to see your child suffering. But God really used those years to teach me about who he was and to prune away my unbelief. While preparing for this, I went back and I pulled out my journals from that time. I don't know how many of you journal, but it's very helpful. And in January and February of 2007, there were some particularly trying months we were going through, and I was studying in First and Second Corinthians during that time. And on January 19th, I was studying in Second Corinthians 1, 1 through 7. And I'd like to read Paul's words from verses 2 through 5 of this passage. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. In my journal that day, I wrote the following. Truths about God from these verses that I need to really grasp and hang on to today. He is my Father. He is the Father of Jesus Christ, my Savior. He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is the Father who comforts me in all my tribulation. He will give me comfort. He is the Father who comforts me in trials so that I in turn will be able to comfort those who are in trials with the same comfort that he has provided for me. My comfort from the Father is abundant through his Son, Jesus Christ. The Father knows what it's like to see your child suffer. Where trials abound so do the comforts of my Father. And I ended it with this. Lord, in the midst of this chaos, these are the truths I need to remember today and to cling to when I don't understand why or how or what is happening. You are my Father, and you are the Father of all mercies and all comfort. Lord, comfort me. Comfort me with your Holy Spirit so that I can bring comfort to my family. During those years, I repeatedly, and I mean repeatedly, <laughs> had to remind myself of who God was, and I still do. When I lay awake at night worrying and wondering what was happening and why and what we should do next, I would go back to these truths that I knew about him, that he loved me, that his plan was perfect, even if I didn't understand it, that he loved my children more than I did, that his ways were not mine, that when it seemed the darkest, that's when he was most at work, and that even when I, as their mother, slept, he, as their father, was awake, working the night shift and watching over my family. Ladies, those are the kinds of truths that will get you through when life brings you difficulty. I'd like to also read to you a devotional I read this past week. 
And this, I mean, this just really made, made me amazed at my father's goodness. Because at the beginning, I don't know if you remember when I said that I felt God reminded me that I could trust him and that he would show me what to say and be my all-sufficient God in that way. This past week on May 4th, on the afternoon that I was literally working on this part of what I was going to share, I took a break and I decided to read that day's devotional in a new devotional book I've been using since January called um, New Morning Mercies. It's from Paul Tripp. And this is what it said on that very day. That's a little long, so bear with me, but I think it's worth hearing. The opening line of Jesus' model prayer for his disciples in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, which is the Lord's Prayer, where it begins, Our Father, who art in heaven. This opening line teaches this unspeakable, marvelous truth. If you're God's child, you have a Father in heaven. Stop for a moment and just let that sink in. What a glorious an encouraging way Christ instructs us to begin our prayers. We are to begin with the most shocking and encouraging of all things that our minds could ever consider. That being who has such incomparable wisdom and power that he was able to design and create everything that exists. That being is our Father. That deity who has been able by the exercise of supreme authority to control every event in history, to have his will done in every location, and to completely control every life of every person who has ever lived, that deity is our Father. That one who had magnificent love put the plan of redemption in motion so that at the right moment his son came to live, die, and rise again so that we could have new and eternal life. That one is our Father. That King who won't ever leave the work of his hands till everything he has purposed to do in us and in the world that he created has been fully done. That King is our Father. That God who never needed a teacher or a counselor, who knows the stars by name and can hold the waters of the universe in the palm of his hand. That God is our Father. You could do nothing more important than to wake up every morning of your life and remind yourself that the one who created and controls everything that exists has been made by grace to be your Father. He thinks of you with pure and faithful fatherly love. He acts towards you with the giving, providing, instructing, patient, and forgiving love of a Father. He is always with you, his hand is always upon you. He never stops watching you. His heart is always for you. He is always at work accomplishing his plans for you and through you. He lifts your burdens and he lightens your load. He is your God, your Savior, your friend, and your Father. Nothing can ever be the same again because you now live in the Father's house where glorious grace decorates every room. I don't know about you, but that really hit me when I read it. And I was amazed, again, at who our Father is. What a description of him. I don't know about you, but as a parent, I used to love it when my girls would reach up and willingly take my hand when we were you know, crossing a street or just walking into the grocery store. 
It showed trust, and it showed dependence. I don't know what situation you ladies are in today, but whatever you find yourself in, I encourage you, run to your Heavenly Father and cling tight to his hand. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I've learned, however, that not only do I need to remember who my father is, I also must know his word and believe it and obey it. Hebrews 11.6 states, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. I may know who my father is, but if I don't really believe he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do and then act in accordance with those beliefs, then it's nothing more than head knowledge. If you don't really believe the truth, then how can it make any difference in your life? I once heard someone say that faith is agonizingly believing God's word when your heart is drawn to a billion other things. That kind of faith has to be your own. Just like it can't be your parents. Ladies, it can't be your husbands either, and it can't be your best friends. That faith has to become our own. I was at a conference this past February, and one of the workshop speakers was Jeremy Pierre. He's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. And he made the following statement. He said, unbelief is at the center of our sin. When we sin, we are failing to believe and take God at his word. And that statement really stuck with me. And I've been catching myself as I go to respond to something in a simple way and stopping myself and asking, what are you not believing about God or his word right now? And it's been really convicting to me to see how many times my actions are being driven by a belief or an idol in my heart that doesn't match up with scripture. You don't have to look very far in the Bible to see this. In Genesis 3, 1 through 7, we see the first woman ever created struggle with this. It's Eve. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, And he ate, and then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. 
Eve's taking of the fruit and eating it, while that was wrong, wasn't the root of the problem here. It wasn't even her pride in wanting to be like God. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know exactly how many days passed between when Adam and Eve were created and received these instructions about the tree from God and when this happened. But it's my guess that this probably wasn't the first time Eve saw this tree. The Bible does tell us it was in the midst of the garden. She may have walked past it before. She knew God's words and directions regarding the tree, and up to this point, she'd believed them. But Satan comes along, and he introduces her to a new set of beliefs. You won't surely die. God's keeping this fruit from you because he doesn't want you to become like him. He gets her to doubt God's goodness and to doubt his word. Eve forgot the goodness of her father. She was in the most beautiful place on earth ever made and created and was getting to enjoy all of that. But she still doubted her father's goodness. And she began to doubt the words of God and view life from an alternative perspective. And when she did, she looked out on what had been wrong before, and suddenly it became desirable to her. God shows us this over and over in the Bible through the accounts of the people in his word. There are so many times in my life when I've done the same thing. When I started to believe like the Israelites that what the world was saying or had to offer was a lot better than what God was telling me. Or when, like Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was barren, she encouraged her husband, Abraham, to take her handmaid in order to have a son instead of believing in God's promises and the covenant that he'd made with her husband, Abraham. Too often I have thought God's timing was not in accordance with my timing, and I allowed worry, fear, and many other things to come in, and I allowed it to take control. And then I took control of things in my own hands instead of trusting in him and in his perfect ways and in his timing. The great thing, however, is that God uses all of these experiences to mold us and transform us and to increase our faith if we let him. If we put ourselves under his authority and take his word in our hands, and just believe it. God is so full of grace. It encourages me that this same Sarah I just mentioned from Genesis 13 is one of the few women mentioned by name in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11:11 says, "By faith, even Sarah herself conceived or received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life." since she considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah learned. She learned a really hard lesson, and in a very, very old age, she did conceive and give birth to Isaac. She learned to trust and believe God and his word, and she ended up in the hall of faith. Only God can do that. <laughs> Through circumstances God has brought my way, he's poured out his uncomfortable grace during those difficult times. And I've learned to trust him and to believe him. It's still a daily choice I have to make. But he has patiently and lovingly shown himself to be faithful to me. 
I've seen that when I remember the character of my father and I believe in what he says, the transforming power of the word accomplishes things in my life that I never thought possible and in ways I never would have dreamed of. We have a very creative God. (laughs) You might ask, well, how do I get there? When I was a young mom, I was at a Bible study, and the teacher of our class, her name was Sharon Nelson, she made a statement that has stuck with me ever since. And it's something I've tried to do by God's grace. The statement was this, build your fortress in times of peace. You know, in past times, a city would build a fort around itself to protect itself from enemies, intruders, maybe even wild animals, and to keep those inside safe from harm. These walls had to be built long before the battle started. If the enemy was now approaching, it was too late. The walls should have been in place. And when I first heard this statement, it was a time of relative peace in my life. Everything wasn't perfect, but overall, life was pretty good. Our marriage was good, and I had two healthy little girls. I took this statement to heart, though, and I began to build the walls of my fortress. I knew the battle would come in some shape or form because in his word, God tells us the battles will come, and I was choosing to believe God's word. In James 1, two through three, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Notice it says when you meet trials, not if you meet trials. They will come if you're his. I praise God that he allowed me to build up my fortress because I had no idea what was coming down the road ahead. And when the difficulties came, all those promises that I had learned and knew in my head, I now had to literally claim every day to just get through the day. I look back now and I shudder to think where my marriage, my relationship with my girls, with my family, with friends, and with God would be if I hadn't been obedient to that. And I wasn't always perfect by no means. I still fail at this today, but God loves me. He forgives me, and with his grace, I'm trying to continue to build those walls up even today. Psalm 91, 1 through 2 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. Maybe you're here today, and you'd like to get started building your walls. The first thing you have to do is that you have to have a foundation on which to build your fort. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ and trusting in what he did on the cross, not in anything you did. God saved me when I was 16 years old. 
Each one of us was born a sinner and deserves the penalty of death for our sin. But God made a way, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Christ came and lived a sinless life. He was the perfect sacrifice to satisfy God's wrath. And he died a gruesome death on the cross, was buried, but rose again on the third day to have victory over sin and over death. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and God's pursuing your heart, please, I encourage you to seek out Pastor Mark or Andrea or any of the other leaders here. And I know they would love to share with you from Scripture how you can have a relationship with him. And maybe you're here and you have Christ as your foundation, but you haven't begun to build your walls yet. I encourage you to get started. Get in the Word. Begin to study it. Join a Bible study. Listen to the Word on CD. So many people I talk to right now, they're just existing on little crumbs of Scripture instead of making it their bread of life. Get one of those little spiral notebooks of three-by-five cards. I've used those over the years. Fill it up with verses that mean something to you, that have helped you through a difficult time. I put mine on my kitchen windowsill because it seems like I'm always doing dishes, (laughs) so it's constantly in front of me. Put yours maybe in your bathroom where you get ready, on your desk at work. If you're shuttling the kids all over the place and sitting in car lines a lot, keep it in your car. But use it to keep his word in front of you. Find another woman who knows the word and will be honest with you and ask her to come alongside of you and help you. Do a Bible study with a friend. I have been so blessed to have women in my life, some in this very room, and they know who they are, (laughs) who I could study the word with and who I could trust to get in my face. When they saw that I wasn't believing God's word, I could trust them to tell me truth. You know, ladies, we can always find someone who will tell us what we want to hear. And I've seen people go from person to person to person, saying they're seeking godly advice. But they just go from person to person until they finally find somebody who will just tell them what they want to hear. Find a friend who will tell you from Scripture what you need to hear not what you want to hear. As a mom, I've read many of the parenting books. Shepherding a Child's Heart, Five Love Languages of Your Children, Growing Kids God's Way, Birth Order Book, to just name a few. And they're all really good, practical tools that are helpful. But I found that nothing, absolutely nothing, will replace knowing my God intimately, and experiencing his grace in my life. You know, as moms, we record everything about our children, especially today with social media. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, you know, you've got it all out there. And it was so neat this morning. It was perfect when they asked all of these parents to share something about the character of their child. These are little ones. What One was only maybe 10 months old. 
and you already know the character of your child. You know their cries. You know if the cry means they're hungry or they're wet or they're just overtired. Um, you know and record their first steps, their first haircuts, their first words. You write all these things down, take pictures of them. As they grow, you learn their strengths, you learn their weaknesses, you know what makes them happy. And as a mom, you know all your child's stories. I challenge you, do you know Christ that way? Ladies, it's so easy to make little idols out of our children. I've done it, and it's wrong. Our hopes cannot rest on them. They will fail us. They are sinful little humans just like us. Our highest treasure has to be Christ. Do you know him intimately? Do you keep record of his promises in your life? Do you record when he's been amazingly faithful to you? Write it down. Keep a notebook. Record verses that mean something special to you. Record answers, answered prayer. Record a takeaway from one of Pastor Mark's messages that challenged you. Write down what your father is teaching you and doing for you. This is the one I'm currently writing in. Fill these up with what God's showing you and what he's doing for you. And then when you wake up in the middle of the night or you can't fall asleep and you're fearful, when you're tempted to want to take control of things, take control of things, when you can't see how you can possibly wait on God's timing one more minute, when the battles come and you feel like your walls are crumbling and you want to just wave the white flag of surrender and say, I'm finished, I'm done, I cannot do it any longer, <sighs> pull it out. Pull out your notebook, pull out your Bible, call up your fortress. You won't win the battle, but he can. Remember the verses. Remember who he is as your father. Remember his goodness in your life to yourself and to your children, and then believe he will do all he says he will do. Only then will you be able to teach your children who he is and all he is. As they see you hold tightly to your father's hand, it will teach them to let go of your hand and to grip the hand of their heavenly father. And I don't know about you, but as a mom, I don't think there's anything more beautiful to see. And you know, there may be some moms here today, and they've done this. They have built their fort. They have withstood the battles. Their mortar and their walls may be a little chipped in places, but the flag of Christ is still flying over their fort. Thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your example to me. And I encourage you to keep, keep holding strong. Young ladies, find somebody like this. Ask them to share their God stories. I was so blessed to have a godly mom and a godly mother-in-law who I learned so much from. And I'm also blessed to have other women walking alongside of me, but also those who are just one stage ahead. And I've learned so much from watching their faithful example. I've heard it said that mothering 
is a lifelong lesson in crisis management. <laughs> there are days when, as a mom, you feel you are putting out one fire after another. Thankfully, we have a heavenly father, Elroy, who sees it all. So on this Mother's Day, remember who your father is and believe in his transforming grace and power in your life. Start to intimately know him. He will pour out his grace and strength for every single trial you face. He'll comfort you when things are painful. He'll walk with you through every dark valley. And in the process, he will transform you into a beautiful daughter of the king who knows exactly what her father's limitless storehouses will provide for her. Remember and believe it. Thanks. Glory. Um, why don't we go ahead and stand? We're going to sing one song and then dismiss this morning. But you know, as Lori said, if you're here this morning and, you know, as you hear Lori talk, you, it's a relationship. You can just see it. She's talking about God as her father, as someone that she just has this intimate personal relationship. It's not this religious thing. It's a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And that begins with that relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and your foundation is not Christ. Your foundation is not in him and who he is. We are here to talk to you about that. We're here to listen. We're here to come alongside you. And I would encourage you to talk to somebody that maybe you came with this morning. Ask them. Say, you know what? This, this Jesus that she's talking about, this, this God who's a father, man, I, I need to know him. I need to know him personally. And um, talk to us about that. And we'd love to come alongside and pray with you through that. And maybe you're here, mom, dad, wherever you are. Maybe you're not a mom. Maybe you're not a dad. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're in school. And you don't have that foundation in Christ. You know, what, do you, what are you looking to to be that foundation? Whatever it is, it will ultimately, ultimately never satisfy you. It won't. It's only Jesus. It's only him and his grace. And so I, I just want to pray for the moms again this morning, but I want to pray for us. And then we're going to sing one song. And mom, don't forget, on your way out, grab um, your free gift there by the door. Um, it's a great free gift, okay, chocolate covered strawberry with on a stem, so kids, let mom go, okay, let her, this is for her, and husbands and dads and everyone else, let the moms go first, okay. Father, thank you so much for meeting with us here this morning, I thank you for Lori, I thank you for her testimony, I thank you for her story, I thank you for you and the incredible friendship that you have with her. And how through that friendship and that relationship that she has with you that we're able to learn about who you are. And Father, I pray for the moms here this morning that, God, you would just uh, propel them and compel them, Lord, to, to draw more into you and to spend time with you, remembering who you are, finding that peace and that rest that comes from who you are and the promises that you've made. And Lord, for each person here, that some great lessons for each and everyone that's here this morning on this special day. Father, help us to continue to remember who you are and to not just remember but to believe and to rest. And you are here for us. You are with us in every situation of life. 
And we're so thankful for that promise. And Lord, we want to live our lives in honor of you, reflecting you. And may we know you more deeply and intimately. And that's all possible because of your grace, your transforming grace and your power through your spirit that we live. And it's in the name of Jesus who I pray. Amen. Let's sing together.